Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. So I call your attention to just one passage of scripture. And that's found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Now, here again, I'm reading from the, the, the old King James Version for this particular verse, okay? For this particular verse. Uh, you all know we use mainly the New King James Version. I'm going to get to the New King, King James Version translation of this verse. But this is the, this is the, the, uh, the version that most people know. Because uh, we've been steeped in the old King James for a long, long time anyway. Uh, but Proverbs 20:19 says, 29:18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, I really preach this in light of the Martin Luther King Jr. birthday and talk about what the implications of that is in terms of where we are as a country now. The title of this message, this is part two, I, I, there may be a part three. What do you see? What do you see? Where there is no vision, the people perish. What do you see? Now remember, I started the, that message on a very dramatic point, which is polls show that most Americans think we're about to have a civil war in this country. Most Americans think that Americans are about to go to war with one another. And here again, I can't think of any time in my lifetime, and I've been around here a while now, that that's been true. And we've had all kinds of upheavals in the country, but I've never seen a time at which polling shows that the majority of people actually think that we're gonna be fighting each other in the streets. And yet, that's where we are, and several polls have shown it. It's not, it's not one outlier somewhere. Several polls have shown it, which just goes to show the deep division in the country that, that many people believe uh, is irreconcilable. That you simply can't, there's no way to, to come together because the differences are so very, very, very stark. And much of this, not all of it, of course, but much of this is being pushed by so-called civil rights people uh, but the radical left, the LGBTQ movement, um, are, are, are pushing. Now, people will say, but you know, you've got extremists on the right too, and that is true. But let me say one thing, and I want you all to remember this. There's several things I really want you to remember. I want you to remember this. The changes in our culture today and the division that those changes have produced are not the result of Christians having changed and trying to force something new on society. We've remained pretty much where we've been. But what's happened is there's been a vast leftist shift that then points back at Christians and says, you people way over there believing in marriage as a union between one man and one woman, believing in the sacredness of human life, believing that gender is a male and female, you people over there are extremists. Well, it's because they move the goalposts. I've analogized it this way, and maybe for those of you who are sports fans, anybody who will understand this, I think. I say it's like 
starting a football game and having one team move the goalpost to another city. And when you get ready to try to score, they say, oh, no, 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 you're way off. And you say, way off? What do you mean? Oh, the goalpost is, is in the next city over. And you say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> How did that happen? We changed the rules in the middle of the game. And now we define you as being out, out of bounds. We define you as no longer playing by the rules because we've changed the rules. And we Christians are standing here being labeled as right-wing bigots and haters and extremists and all for, for believing the same thing we believe for the last 2,000 years. So you see that little, that's a little trick of the devil, amen? To make you feel, so when you don't go along with this change, oh, you're the bad person. See, how do you reconcile that? When somebody, when you know you've got a heart of love for everybody, and because you're standing on the word of God, you then get defined as a hateful person. Well, Dr. King was preaching a message of love. And we've forgotten that. I mean, with regard to that particular aspect of this, this whole Civil Rights Act, Dr. King had a vision for the country of us coming together, not being split apart. You know, I wonder sometimes, what is it uh, now, uh, 50 60 years later, what he would think of the division in the country today. He'd probably shake his head because here again, the, this, this quote, I think this was the last quote I shared with you and I'll just share this one by way of review. He said, love can transform opposers into friends. Understanding and goodwill can transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. Love will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. See, he was preaching love, the beloved community. We also looked at the negative influences that have happened in the society as a result of the Supreme Court decisions, Engel versus Vitale, banning school from the, banning prayer from the schools, uh, school district of Abington versus Shen, banning Bible reading from the schools. And then of course, Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion. And then Obergefell versus Hodges, which made same-sex or homosexual marriage the law of the land. And then Bostock versus Clayton, which said the, the, the word sex in, the, in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act means sexual orientation and gender identity. Well, none of those things are in the Constitution. They just kind of made them up because the, 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 the five people who voted for these things, it's always a 5-4 decision, the five people who voted for these things believed in these cultural changes and they just draped them in constitutional um, legitimacy, which they're not. I say there are fundamental rights which God gave us and then there are rights that people just make up. And the Supreme Court has made up some rights and imposed those on the rest of us. And I want you to think about this. As a result of those decisions, many Thousands of Christians across this nation, probably hundreds of thousands, have been persecuted. I mean, we only see the tip of the iceberg. We only hear the, the ones we hear about. The, the football coach who's told, you can't pray on the field after a game. The baker said, you will bake this gay wedding cake. The photographer said, you will take a picture of our same-sex marriage. See, because the Supreme Court has said, Oh, it's the law of the land. They've got a constitutional right. Now when somebody says, I'm not doing that, oh, you can sue them now. 
See, it's been a tremendous change in the culture while well, we've just been trying to be faithful to the word of God. You know, I, I've said many times, you know, you would think that this whole LGBTQ movement acts like we made up marriage to irritate them. <laughs> like we just, how can we, how can we get to that? Oh, I'll tell you what, let's, say, let's define marriage as a union between one man and one woman. That'll really get them. I mean, nobody, nobody even thought about anything different because it's what Jesus said. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and they too shall become one flesh. I mean, it's, you know. So the conclusion in that first part was the lack of vision, the lack of leaders with vision has allowed our country to degenerate into rebellion against God. Where we're doing things now and trying to make things normal now that God calls sin. Now look, the New King James Version of that verse says, where there is no revelation or divine revelation or revelation from Almighty God, the people cast off restraint. And what it really means is, when you stop believing in the standards that God sets, you self-destruct. In other words, anything goes, and anything's gonna lead you to your own destruction. It's societal suicide as well as individual suicide when we decide, I reject the standards that God gave, I'm gonna do my own thing. Well, just get ready to die, because that's exactly where you're going. Because the wages of sin is death, period. And you don't get out of it by manipulating or, or gyrating or trying to figure out how to, to maneuver your way through it. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only way you get out of death. Glory to God. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, are you afraid of death? Why, why would I be? I'm not going to die. Well, no, Bishop. Yes, you are. No, no, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave this particular flesh I'm living in right now, but I'm not going to stop living. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep on living. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So divine revelation gives you a worldview a lens through which you look at life. Now keep this in mind too. Second thing, don't forget, everybody has a worldview. Everybody does, whether they admit it or not. In other words, they have a lens through which they view the world. And, and we Christians are supposed to view the world through the lens of God's word. And, and, and a worldview will produce a culture. In other words, the way you look at and interpret the world, the way you respond to the world around you, will produce a culture because that culture will be a reflection of the ideals, the values, the principles of that worldview. You all following me? I mean, look, when the Chinese communists took over China, they banned not only Christianity, but Buddhism, and you all know they're persecuting the Uyghurs right now, and the reason is they want a secular atheist culture. They want everybody to see the world through the lens of cultural atheism. 
And the only God they want people to have is the, is the head of their government, Xi Jinping. So the worldview that they've got, which is an atheistic, secularist worldview, produces a culture, and the culture is godless. Well, when people have a biblical worldview, they produce a godly culture. And by the way, some of you may be aware of this, but I, I have a curriculum that I taught some of our young people called the power of personal culture. And what I pointed out was every individual has a culture. That culture may, may be the result of how you were raised. It may be the result of the influences, the friends you had, the college you went to. It may be a bunch of di different things, but every individual has a culture. And for Christians, that culture ought to be God-centered. God is the center of my life. God is how I govern my decisions. God is how I govern my behavior. God is how I govern my speech. The reason the children of Israel couldn't go into the promised land is that they were steeped in the culture of Egypt. They brought it with them. I mean, they didn't bring a golden calf physically, but they brought one in their hearts. And when things got tough, they immediately went back to the culture that had inculcated them for 400 years. Where's the golden calf, everybody? Bring your gold here. Let's make one. We've seen the effectiveness of these things in Egypt. Let's get another one out here because we're in trouble right now. They reverted to the culture that they had already embraced and imbibed. Exodus 14 verses 10 through 12 says this. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said, now look, they cried out to the Lord, right? But then they said, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Well, you know, that's just like people going to church on Sunday and then walking with the devil on Monday. They cried out to the Lord and then said, we want to go back to Egypt. Uh, it's the will of God for you to leave. Uh, they, well, you know, that's nice and all that, but we, we kind of liked it there because at least we were secure. Can I make this plain for today? I'll go along with anybody who'll take care of me. I don't care what they do. Well, now, now you shouldn't be involved with people who believe that killing unborn babies is a good thing. Yeah, 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 I understand that. But you see, I get a check every month. So don't bother me down here in Egypt. <laughs> now, I love the Lord. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God, deliver me. But uh, but Egypt is where I live. And that's where I need you know, That's where I get my my, my stuff. <laughs> so, so, you know, don't 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 interfere with my stuff. Now, don't interfere with my sustenance. I, I'm dependent. You know, I don't have a problem with God. I like God, but I'm dependent upon Egypt. Are you all hearing me? 
Now, it doesn't matter that Egypt is a bunch of pagans and idolaters. Because after all, we ate there. We were clothed there. We had shelter there. Oh, I know we were slaves. But, and I know we couldn't worship God, as you all know, when Moses said, look, we want to we wanna go out and worship God, they, they thought they had control of, well, no, not, no, not, no, no. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need that God, Moses. Well, but, that, but that's okay, because after all, we think we're being taken care of in Egypt. You know, Moses was, was given a vision by God and a different worldview that he was trying to, and a different cultural viewpoint that he was trying to impose, or at least trying to persuade the children of Israel that they needed to embrace. Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27, and forgive me for moving rather quickly through this. I'm going to try to get through this entire sermon. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. But Hebrews 11, 24 through 27 says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Re Moses, you're an Egyptian. No, I'm not. Well, wait, 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 wait. What? Now, Moses, wait a minute now. You're raised in Pharaoh's house. <laughs> You're a prince in Egypt. I don't care. I, I don't. That's not my. That's not my political identity. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than rich, great, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He had a vision for something better. He had a vision for something greater. And he wasn't willing to allow himself to be put in that box that Egypt had for him. Glory to God. That's why I'm, just, I'm probably getting a little ahead of myself. That's why I tell you all, my identity is not in my skin color. My identity is in my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your identity as a Christian. And when people try to put you in that box, you ought to rebel against that. Say, no, no. The Bible says we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. Or you can see this. You can see the color of my skin, but that's not who I am. Who I am is who I am down on the inside. And you know, there are a lot of Christians who simply cannot get past that. Whether they're in some kind of extremist white supremacy so-called religion of Christianity, or they're involved in some kind of black religion of some kind, they can't get past that, and they don't realize that focusing on the flesh will get them condemned to hell. And they think they're liberating themselves, and they don't realize they're, they're condemning themselves to eternal destruction. Moses wasn't going for it. Said so by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. <laughs> Moses saw something beyond what Egypt had to offer. Hallelujah. You ought to see something beyond what race has to offer, beyond what politics has to offer, beyond what any of these outward things has to offer. You ought to see that which is invisible. You ought to see which, that which is ultimate, that which is eternal. You ought, to, you, you ought to be looking at the essence of who you are. The Bible says God is the father of spirits. Not the father of flesh, but the father of spirits. 
So everybody has a worldview, whether they like it or not. It's just a question of what that worldview is and what the ideas and the principles are that govern their thoughts and their actions. See, but any worldview that is not rooted in the word of God is false. Any worldview that is not rooted in the word of God is false. It is a lie. And just like the truth sets you free, lies put you in bondage. And one of the false visions or lies that permeates the culture today is that your life, your destiny is determined by the group to which others tell you you belong. That's a lie. It's a collectivist view that is rooted in lies. And just, just think with me for a second. Saints, I would think as Christians, that's what Satan did in heaven. He got a group of angels convinced that they were different and that they should be treated differently and that, that the, 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 the situation, there, there was systemic anti-angel sentiment in heaven against them. And come on, follow me in rebellion against God. Come on, y'all. He said, Bishop, you may be stretching that. No, I'm not stretching because Saul Alinsky, who wrote Rules for Radicals, a book that both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton swore by, dedicated the book to Lucifer. Dedicated it to Lucifer. The first rebel, he called him. Now, you know, if you are really a Christian and you see that, no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. If you're dedicated the book to the devil, no, thank you. I don't need that. The first lie is that solidarity is based on physiological characteristics or shared history or culture rather than on shared values and character. Let me say that again. It is a, it is a lie of culture that solidarity or unity is based on similar physiological characteristics or, or some kind of shared history, ancestry, or culture rather than shared values and character. I would you all just think about this phrase that we hear so often. I want, I want to see somebody who looks like me. Just, just think about the impact of that. Think about what that means. Now, you all probably don't know this because it's not often, it's not politic the politically correct thing to say, but the most prolific serial killer in American history is black. Oh, yeah. More, more prolific a murderer than, than Jerry Dahmer and uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, I should say, and, uh, and Ted Bundy and, and all of these guys. Now, you know, evil does not have any kind of ethnic boundaries. But I say that to say, does that make you happy that it looks like you, if you, that's the way you want to describe it? He's a killer. 
I mean, so it, the, the, the whole statement is absurd because here again, it implies that somehow if you've got darker skin, we, you and I have so much in common. Well, we may have nothing in common. I want to know what do you think like? I want to know what's in your heart. I want to know the nature of your character. Can I trust you when I turn my back on you? What matters is the membership in a group, not you as an individual. Are you black, white, brown, Asian, Native American? That's who you are. No, it's not. No, it's not. Your relationship with Christ is who you are. Now, if I can bring this down to, to current events, we have a president who has just said, that he is going to put, appoint a new Supreme Court justice and he will only consider a black woman. Now let me just say right off the bat, I don't have any problem with appointing a black woman to the United States Supreme Court. I don't, I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. I do have a problem with saying that I will only consider someone of this complexion and this gender rather than talking about, does this person adhere to the Constitution? Does this person believe in our way of life? Does this person have the intellectual ability to do that job? And I don't have any problem believing that there are black women entirely capable of that. But look, if you owned a company right now and you stood up and made that pronouncement, you would be violating the law and subject to lawsuits. You couldn't do it. It's not, it's not legal. Because what you're doing is you're discriminating against everybody else. And yet we've got a president who flouts the, flouts the Constitution and, 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 and everything that this country is built on by dividing us into our little tribal groups and saying, I'm only going to choose somebody from this tribe. And I'm supposed to say, because that person may have African ancestry as well, oh, great, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no because he may choose a person who believes that killing 1.2 million babies every year is just perfectly, not only good, but admirable, fine. And I'm supposed to be just glad because that person's got skin color like mine, maybe, or close, and that, I don't care if she's in favor of killing babies, that doesn't matter to me. Because what really matters is what she looks like on the outside. Or somebody who will, when these lawsuits come before them, of Christians saying, I can't get involved in a homosexual marriage. Saying, yes, you can, and you will, and we're going to order you to do it whether you like it or not. And somebody who thinks like that, I'm supposed to be happy with simply because they've got darker skin? I mean, come on, saints. We hear this stuff, and we ought to just know how stupid it is, how superficial it is, how, how ungodly it is. Now, now think about that versus what Dr. King says or said. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. See, because some people misunderstand this. I, you know, I've had people say some really nasty things about me. I don't have a problem with a black woman being appointed to the Supreme Court. I think it'd be a great thing. 
I do have a problem with suggesting that that is the thing and that that's somehow the be all and end all. It's just, it, it, it is so antithetical to what, how we as Christians believe. Amen.